Hello, everybody. Listening to, watching uh, Murder, She Wrote. One of my favorite shows ever. Uh, reminds me of my grandma. And, and uh, yeah, I miss her. Um, you know, think, think about family. You can, you can love people who have some morality or personality flaws. Uh, you can still care about them, and you can still hope that you can change their minds, uh, convince them to think other ways or soften their opinions. Um, that's how humanity has always evolved. Sometimes the family is the family you choose and not the family that you have. Sometimes you choose to have uh, family that's blood relation and then choose to have family that's not blood relation. You know, and you, you have, like, people have some weird family groups out there, right? Like, uh, I often tell my friends, I adopt you, you're now Italian. Right? And that, that's like the most Roman thing you could do. I adopt you, you're Italian. Uh, my family came from West Africa. Eh, that's just Southern Italy. <laughs> to my friends out there that I've said that to. Uh, it's basically the idea, right? That's the Roman idea. The world was Rome. Just uh, maybe unconquered. <laughs> Not unconquered, but unreoccupied. Right? You know, a lot of people talk about colonialism being evil. Um, the fact is, colonialism was as good as it was evil. Just as war. War is as good as it is evil. You know, and so is peace. Peace is as good as it is evil. Do you have peace of friendship or peace of the grave? Right? Do you have war to defend people or war to slaughter them? Do you colonize to bring advancements or colonize to stamp out all opposition? Some people say the nature of colonization is always eradication. That's not true. That's not true. In fact... The South, the Southern, the Americas, the South and South Americas had a weird fusion going on. The Spanish went out to conquer and destroy, and boy, did they destroy. And yet the culture survived, and the Spanish got pushed out. You know, it, it's um, you also have people who came over. Uh, from Spain, who united with the natives and adapted to the native life. There, there are Tainos who are blonde-eyed, are blonde-haired, blue-eyed, with with the history that dates back to Columbus's men who revolted against him and built relationships there. You know, there, there is also intercontinental colonization by the Mayas, the Incas, the Aztecs. There is, 
I think, you know, when, when going over it, the Taino were probably the only innocent tribe uh, who didn't commit colonization uh, of almost any kind in their, in their history. Uh, they're probably the only ones that have any claim of, of uh, umbrage toward Columbus. Um, and, uh, you know, they're like the, the only people that can actually throw a stone. Everyone else is living in glass houses. And what's even funnier is that people vilify Columbus with the deeds of Nicholas de Ovando. The Columbus actually, he actually hated the Spanish more than he hated, uh, the locals. Is uh, sell the locals into slavery, but behead that ugly Spaniard for looking at me funny. <laughs> right? Hey, Columbus, you're, you're Spanish, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Columbus, a man who was uh, considered to be Italian for the longest time, but all evidence points to him being Portuguese, a Portuguese pirate. Uh, an illiterate Portuguese pirate who learned to spell phonetically and uh, but people didn't care because he could deliver the goods on time by whipping his men and running them aground and then just uh, looting and pillaging what he was allowed to take or told to take you know uh, the man was not the man was not a good man uh, very few men back then were uh, anywhere and like I said the Taino are probably the only people who were capable of, of of complaining, and Columbus's own men were so whipped and beaten that they said, "Fuck you, Columbus! We're staying with the natives. We're God native. They accept us. They're not going to hurt us." And oh, uh, we decided uh, we don't want them to be slaves because they're pretty nice. <laughs> Columbus is one of the one of the uh, most insane histories out there because you have you have the history that people have concocted. Without him, they would have never colonized the Americas. Bullshit! There were about there were fifty other people that were far more capable with far worse behaviors that came uh, that were that was at the same time, and they all wanted to sail across. Except Columbus said, "Undercut everybody." <laughs> he cut uh, undercut everybody. Got the job. Beat the Spanish worse than he beat the natives. And so he was replaced with Nicholas de Ovando, who proceeded to commit mass genocide. Um, so Columbus, one of the worst people in history, yeah. One of the most skilled cartographers in history, yes. A man who believed he was righteous, yeah. We've since found out, hindsight 2020, he wasn't. And the uh, goals he, were, he was trying to achieve were not righteous. Back then, people believed there was a literal war in heaven. And it's not restricted to just the Spanish. Of the Aztec, the Inca, etc., etc., etc. All of those individuals believed in the righteousness of their gods and their colonization. And... Um, you know, it's even since been proven that there was a hemorrhage, uh, I can't even pronounce it, hemorrhagic, 
can't pronounce it. You know what I mean? It's it's a it's a disease like Ebola. It's a flesh-eating virus. And it came out in uh, cycles. And every time there was a severe drought, the illness would come with the rats, and it would wipe out the nations. Because people were dying before the Spaniards touched land. And uh, those archives were recently discovered in the monasteries of the few missionaries who did not want to slaughter people who actually wanted to save lives. Believe it or not, there were actual missionaries and Catholics out there during this period that didn't believe that killing somebody saved their soul. They were few and far between, and they were despised by the crown as much as, as, uh, as if they weren't Catholic. You know, uh, because they thought that everyone was their brother. So did they try to convince natives to, uh, to convert? They did because they believed that they were saving the soul of a good human being, regardless of the skin color being different. Now, of course, we know that uh, that wasn't, you know, true, and that's not a good way to approach things, uh, at least most of us. And uh, we also know that there were many missionaries that enslaved, brutally whipped, and tortured people to try and get them to convert. They thought they were fighting demons in the flesh of humans. But there still were people out there who believed that family meant more than just the color of the skin and the blood bond that they shared through familial relations. It was a very, very brutal time. And we've come so far in the last 300 years. How we've come so far in the last 50 years due to television alone, television and communication alone. That you think, have you ever... Have you ever considered what it was like? The thought of family, the thought of colonization, the thought of impact. Have you ever considered what it was like for all parties involved? Those who were brutally beaten, those who assimilated and welcomed a new culture because of uh, the pain and suffering that they felt at home with uh, the uh, abuse within their own culture. Right, uh, the the uh, the native gal who she was a member of, of one of the lower tribes who translated for Cortez and Montezuma, and how she manipulated her translations to convince the Spaniards to slaughter the people who raped, pillaged, and brutalized her people. See, here's a, here's, a big, here's a big thing about colonization. It can't succeed if there isn't some sort of assistance for them to succeed, right? Not everybody who colonizes goes out there to slaughter and, and oppress 
But there absolutely are colonizers who slaughter and oppress. See, no matter what, when you travel, you let the genie out of the bottle. Um, and that genie holds allegiance to no one. Let's look at the Black Hills. The Lakota and the, and the six grandfathers. They own the Black Hills, right? Not before 1776. The Cheyenne owned the Black Hills. The Cheyenne occupied the Black Hills for a couple hundred years, if the oral traditions are correct. And they slaughtered those who came before them who had the Black Hills before they did. And how did, how did the Lakota obtain the Black Hills? Did they win in a normal battle against the Cheyenne? Did, did, did they prove that might is right through formal equal contest? No! They traded for weapons from the French. Weapons that they obtained during the French and Indian Wars, the Seven Years' War. The French were out there trying to arm all the tribes to say, we will accept you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got cheese, wine, and bread. Kill the British. And half of the tribes that the French traded with said, ha ha, fuck you, white man. Fight your own war. And turned around and slaughtered each other. The Lakota obtained weapons for their for their own tribes. Specifically, I believe it was the Blackfeet. Uh, see, Lakota is uh, there are several several uses of the of the word Lakota, and depending on which which tribal member you speak to, it's considered a slur. Uh, some people believe it refers to a yellow coat and it means coward. Why, why was that slurred applied using Lakota? The coat, right? Uh, why did the French use that term as a slur? Well, because of the weapons trade and the refusal to fight the British and instead to fight their own wars. And so the Blackfeet marched in you know, sometime after, you know, they, they, they were fighting wars. They were, you know, across the plains and they moved into the Black Hills and uh, through several years of bloody battle after trading for all their munitions, they wiped the Cheyenne out and or pushed them out and took over the Black Hills. Then they claimed, we've had this land for centuries. They did it. There's no claim to it. And then we march our men in few decades later and take the Black Hills using weapons not too dissimilar to the weapons that the uh, Blackfeet traded from the French. It's all relative. Because at the same time you also had a lot of a lot of Cheyenne suffering, a lot of a lot of Sioux suffering and and uh, a lot of uh, other tribes suffering. And, and then you had immigrants coming over from, from Europe who were oppressed. They had no means to fight for themselves. 
no means to gain anything for themselves. And they're forced to flee their homeland. And where, are the, where is the only place that they can go that they're allowed to travel? Because the, the white man is not one single tribe. The white man is a tribe of 5,000 or more, just as the American Indians, 5,000 nations, right? So you had refugees, impoverished people who suffered, who come over to, just to live. And because they're white, they're, call, they're blamed as colonizers, just like the English. A Hungarian family that's poor and can't speak English. New continent, oh thank God. Farmland, oh thank God. And uh, they might be lucky enough to make friends with the local tribes. There are plenty of stories of that. And then there are also plenty of stories of the same type of family coming over and being slaughtered. They're coming into our land. They deserve what they get, right? And so there were a lot of brave men out there who said, listen, listen, this is wrong, right? Men like Buffalo Bill Cody, who, who went the extra mile and said, uh, there's no evil done onto the, uh, uh, done onto the uh, American Indian that... Uh, or the noble Indian, or the noble tribesman, uh, that was deserved. Uh, and no retaliation done by them, which was not instigated by the presence of Europeans. And, and mo mo more or less he was correct. More or less he was correct. I still take umbrage with the general concept that there were, that all tribes were peaceful. Not all tribes were peaceful. There's a uh, a very depressing uh, story of Bent's Fort. Um, it went on for decades, and it's in Colorado. And if you study Bent's Fort, then you can understand why things went so bad in so many areas. Why there were Indian agents who truly believed things would change, and sometimes they enacted positive change, and other times they believed they enacted positive change, and then there was a massacre. Uh, either of the of the tribe or of some white settlers, which resulted in total retaliation and total war. Um, the people who tried to be the peacemakers, they were the people that believed in the extended family, that all men are brothers and sisters, right? You don't enter into that sort of... of business you don't enter in that, into that sort of business or into that sort of vocation without believing in the goodness of humanity and it's not a naive belief when people who enter into that business enter into that business knowing of the pain of death and suffering and they look that death and suffering in the eye and they say We want to stop this. There is good in you somewhere. 
Now, there are plenty of movies that, that make fun of this or mock this, and, and sometimes some of these peacemakers were total fucking idiots, right? Uh, plenty of stories of, of morons. But there are also plenty of stories of those people who were brave, who recognized the dangers, and who, uh, with their skills of communication and with their, their sin, the sincerity of their belief and the sincerity of their tone, were able to broker peace and or fight for the rights of those people who need it. You know, there are a lot of times where I'm very harsh on some of the tribes that are still operating in the United States. And the reason why I'm harsh on them is not because of the members of the tribes. It's because of the... Um, there are some members of tribal councils who are terrible, terrible people who steal money from their own people and excommunicate their own people out of greed and uh, just I should stop there because it will sound like I am attacking the tribes I'm not attacking the tribes uh, sometimes tribal councils actually do some amazing things like the, the Manhattan tribe that bought the Hard Rock Cafe um, uh, bought a huge stake in the Hard Rock Cafe um, they, they did it to try and, and increase, increase the benefits for older tribal members. And they, they actually did kind of spread a lot of the money around positively. There, there was some controversy about some of the chieftains, uh, or, or I say council members, I say chieftains, but I mean council members. Um, but all in all, they actually did try to elevate members of, recognized members of the tribe. And then there are people like the Cherokee Nation. Now, here's the thing. It's also one of the reasons why I have kind of stopped talking about any potential link to me in the Cherokee. The Cherokee have a history of excommunicating people. And when they excommunicate people, they wipe them from history. You can't, you can't find shit about it. It's like the pharaohs. If there's a pharaoh that uh, one pharaoh didn't like, they would destroy their visage and change their cartouf, and you wouldn't know their name. The Cherokee Nation does that. They've been doing it for a long time. And the Cherokee Nation is probably one of the most racist nations of all of the Indians out there. And... Uh, when I found when because my dad firmly believes that he's Cherokee and our DNA shows American Indian, a uh, very strong American Indian, the DNA tests are proof we've got American Indian blood in them in in ourselves. And we believe we know where it came from. The problem is is that those individuals would have been excommunicated from the tribe. There's no written history of it. I think. Uh, the uh, blood test shows me at uh, sub 10%. Sub 10%. Um, of course, those blood tests aren't entirely accurate, but it, it keeps popping up. No matter how they adjust them, it keeps popping up. My dad's is a little bit higher, as it should be. So we're pretty certain how it goes back. We can't find any written proof. We do know certain things. Like my dad did the Eagle Dance for his great-grandpa, I believe, is what it was. 
who was definitely, definitely Indian. Um, definitely Cherokee. Um, but the problem is, the Cherokee do this a lot. They excommunicated uh, former descendants of former slaves. The majority of the Cherokee fought on the side of the Confederacy in World War II. They were one of the most assimilated tribes in North American history. And by assimilated, I mean they once, once the white man came through with the European things, the Cherokee were like, I like that suit. I like that top hat. I like the way you trade. I like the slaves you keep. I like the homes you build. We will adapt them to serve our purposes. Which is assimilation. Um, and, you know, in a lot of ways. It's, a lot of people say the conquerors assimilated the conquered. It's not always the truth. Sometimes the uh, conquered assimilate the conquerors. You know, a lot of people don't like to recognize that relationship, the reverse relationship. And so then you got to wonder who's the conquered and who are the conquerors, especially like the uh, Mexico, South, South America. Spanish were kicked out, right? Their technology and, the, and their civilization merged into the historical rich cultural heritage of those that they supposedly conquered. It's not really a politically correct thing because when you start discussing this, you start saying, well, are you justifying colonialism? Because colonialism is part of imperialism. You don't give people a choice. You force them. Well, that's just it. Sometimes, sometimes human nature is nature. And nature is a beast. People think of Mother Nature being kind and happy. And, oh, let's love Mother Nature. Let's hug a tree until the tree tries to eat them or throw apples at them. Right? <laughs> I'm only half joking here. Nature is a monster. Nature. This is nature. This is mother nature. Oh, beautiful bunnies. Grow and multiply. Oh, my beautiful wolves. There's food in that. There's plenty of food in that glade. I told them to multiply. Oh, my beautiful... Um, oh, oh, my beautiful uh, hunters. There are wolf skins in that glade. I made them well fed so you can keep warm. Oh, my bear. The hunters have moved in. They have gathered food for you to eat. Take them out. You will be well fed for your hibernation. That's Mother Nature. With a sweet, soft smile, she condemns all within her realm to death. She's... At the same time, she also says, look at this beautiful glade and enjoy this wonderful day. So, what, what, do you, what, what can you do? Mother Nature, the murderer of bunnies. 
Mother Nature loves to watch bunnies hump and make lots of bunny babies. They're so cute. Mother Nature, the vicious wolf. Mother Nature, wolf packs show family security and helps to grow cute little puppies into big, strong mommies and daddies. That's Mother Nature. That's nature. The word nature is not good or evil. The word nature is nature. And human nature is just that. Human nature is nature. There are really horrible things about colonization and really good things about colonization. Too much colonization, no progress. None at all. Not enough colonization, no progress, not at all. Some colonization, uh, medium colonization, eh. Just right colonization, oh, well, that tribe tried to murder us, so hey, hey, you big European guys, go and kill that tribe for us, and we'll be your best friends. All right. We will slaughter them. Uh, come on, people. We're going to slaughter you and enslave you. Oh, we give up. We give up. All right. Hey, you're making good slaves. Yeah, we know. We know. Big tough guys when we want. All right. Fight in the gladiatorial arena. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at this adoration. Hey, he killed, he killed my brother. But you know what? My brother was a real asshole. Right now, I'm getting a lot of the good life with these foreign exotic women. Oh, yeah. I, that's like that's like the 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 history of colonization. <laughs> that's the history of colonization. That that's human nature, and it it's just total. I mean, how do you describe it? How, how, you can't say colonization is bad. Colonization is terrible. It ruins, it ruined Africa. It ruined the Americas. Right? Oh, colonization is good. It brings advancements of technology and and diplomacy and and brand new friends and oh, gold. You you, you can't. You can't completely hate it and you can't completely love it. You can't, you, you, you can't not hate it and you can't not love it. And that's the biggest problem here. Humans want binary answers. And when you run into actual history, you don't have a binary ha- answer. You don't have a binary answer because history is not binary. There are some things that are really fucking bad. And then sometimes those things make something that's really good or has unforeseen consequences, which may be bad and good. You can have some things that are really fucking good, but because they're so good, they wind up creating something that's a total fucking disaster. And that's because humanity is involved Nature is involved when humanity's not involved. 
And it, it just, I, it, no matter how much humans try to separate themselves from nature, humans still have nature in them. And the nature that's in them isn't, isn't really, it, there's no such thing as purity. And the more humans try to go and quest for purity, the more they swing towards horrible imbalances. Creating massive, massive holes of morality. And does, does this excuse any of the bad things that happen? Nothing excuses the bad things that happen. There's, there's no excuse for that. There's no excuse for the terrible things that happened in World War II. There's no excuse for the, the millions upon millions that the Japanese slaughtered and, and massacred and, and, and didn't keep records of. There's no excuse for the millions that the Nazis massacred. Some good things came out of it, though. The formation of the UN. Right? Our Japanese-American relationships and building the tech industry came out of World War II. The cultural wave of Western influence into Japanese uh, culture and, and the washback of Japanese culture coming across the ocean. Does, does that... Does that mean it excuses the, the monstrosities committed by, by Hirohito Tojo, right? Hideki Tojo. And Hirohito was the, was the emperor. I caught myself! But uh, Hirohito or Tojo. I mean, but either one. Either one. You know, Hirohito, I also argue often, he was essentially a puppet of Tojo at that point. But you know what else came out of, of World War II? You had brave, brave men like, uh, oh God, sorry about that. I sniffed a little bit. Uh, the, uh, oh, let me let me look them up. Chinue Sugihara. I thought it was Sugihara. I wanted to make sure I got his name right. Chinue Sugihara. He's a diplomat, a Japanese diplomat. I thought at the, he represented. One of the worst nations on earth. And he was in the heart of one of the worst nations on earth during World War II. He represented Japan, uh, Emperor, uh, Emperor Hirohito and, and, and uh, Hideki Tojo's Japan. He was the diplomat for them. And he was in the heart of Nazi Germany. This man who believed in peace and diplomacy was the instrument of two evil nations. If you want to, if you want to put good and evil to nations, this, this was it. Two evil nations at the time. Japan had... The, the, what they did was... was now, I, I don't like comparing evils... A lot of people do. You know, how evil is a man? Is Jeffrey Dahmer worse than Hitler? Because Hitler was more charismatic? Does that mean Hitler is worse than Jeffrey Dahmer? You know, how many, how many people did either person murder personally or guide to murder, right? A lot of people will answer 
Jeffrey Dahmer just didn't have the, he wasn't in the right place at the right time, or he could have been worse than Hitler. And other people say, well, Hitler, he could never be at the right place in the right time. Only Hitler could be at the right place in the right time. So that makes him worse. There's a lot of philosophical debates of what if, right? So that's why I don't like getting involved in those arguments. You know, I just say one of the worst, right? That's how I go about it. One of the worst. So they're all in their own category of, of uh, you know, the own little corner of hell. If, if, the, if a God exists that can determine the evil of a man's soul, they're the ones who are going to be judging these men and women, right? Sugihara, in the middle, representing one of the worst nations in the world at the time, at the time. One of the, in one of the worst nations in the world at the time. You know what he did? He gave passports out to Jews because he believed all men and women are his family, his brothers and sisters. You want this man faced certain death and he looked death in the eye and he didn't blink. He might have been cautious, but he didn't blink. And facing certain death sentences, he secretly slipped passports out to Jews so they could escape Nazi Germany. He was afraid at first. If they catch me, they're going to kill me. I need to stay alive as long as possible. I got to play the numbers game. I got to give out just enough that they don't discover me. But I got to give out as many as I can to save as many lives as I can. Can you imagine that? You're in the middle. You're in the middle of a country that has its guns pointed at everyone who looks different. You're the most different looking person in this country. And you represent your own country, which has been killing its own people too, right? You've got guns everywhere. You turn around the corner, you're worried that you're going to be disappeared. This is before the internet. This is before Unsolved Mysteries, right? People just grab you. And you no longer fucking exist. High-ranking diplomats vanished. People with friends vanished. There are no street cameras. You turn the corner, you're gone. Somebody doesn't, somebody doesn't see you being taken away. Even if somebody sees you being taken away. Well, I don't remember that man. This man had access to unlimited supply of diplomatic passports. And he was he had so much fear. He said. There's fear of me getting caught. I'm going to make a difference, though. Then they realized what he was doing. And so his family, when, when they figured out what he was doing, his family started forging his name in order to fill out more documents. There are still passports with blood from that man's fingers on them that saved the lives of Jewish families and the Jews out there who are saved and the descendants of those Jews, they call themselves the, the Sugihara Jews because he gave them life. And as, and as he was escorted out and forced into the car, his family and him, when he could write, that at one point he could no longer write because his hands were cramping. If you've ever written to a point where your hands cramp, cramped, see, that, that's one thing that's lost in the modern era. 
how many kids today know what it's like to write, I will not do this again, I will not do this again, until their hands hurt so much they can't even hold the friggin' pencil. I had to do that once. I still did it again. But the point is, I had to write out one of those friggin' things once, right? I had to do that. Can now can you imagine multiplying that by a hundred and having your fingers bleed on the paper that you're trying to fill out, trying to get the blood off so that it's legible. So that a man and his family that's facing certain death. See he didn't really know about death camps, but he knew that Jews were being removed. And he wasn't an idiot. He was a diplomat. He believed in peace, but he wasn't an idiot. He knew those people going, the trains aren't coming back. So as they were driving out, he threw these passports out. Originally, when he was filling out passports, he tried to make certain that they wouldn't be pegged out as forgeries. He'd fill out names, dates, uh, you know, uh, give you know, give different names, give different cities. Try and make everything legitimate so that the it looks so legitimate that the uh, Jews who had them, uh, or or even the Catholics or anybody who's targeted, really, uh, anyone who those who had them were able to escape without the Nazis stopping them at the border. Right? That night that he was escorted out, and he was riding out in the car. They were just writing his last name, saying, "Go, you know," and throwing throwing those passports out, so that the screaming hordes of people who were saying "Help us" would get a passport with his signature, and it was a blank check to a to a new world. Because he believed in the concept of human, the human family, the human family tree. Thankfully, he survived. He faced certain death. He faced being transported out. He risked his life. He risked his family. His family said to him, because at one point, at one point in, in part, of the, part of this biographical story I read, he confessed to his family what he was doing. And they said, we're, we're ashamed of you. You know, it was, it was something like this. And maybe I'm paraphrasing quite a bit. It was like, oh, we're... we're, we're we can you know, of, of course we're ashamed that you didn't ask us to help. You know, kind of like that. It's, kind of, it's like one of those moments. And then his family got involved. He said, I can't let you guys die. They said, no, if you're, if you're going to do this, we're, you know, we believe in it too. He survived. His family survived. And there, there are thousands, thousands of Jewish men and women alive today because of him. Call themselves the Sugihara Jews. For a reason, and you know, one of the, one of the things that, that kills me is that he, his he, he wasn't accepted into like the national monument in Israel, if I remember correctly, because he supposedly didn't risk enough. No, I think they I th actually I think they actually wound up getting him into that monument. I'm gonna have to look that up again. At one point he wasn't accepted, then it's like later on he was, um, or Himmler's brother. People, people don't know. Oh, not Himmler's brother. Uh, Goering's brother. I mentioned Goering's brother before. 
Uh, Herman Goering was, was a fat piece of trash, but he had a brother who stood for everything that Herman w was not. Look him up. He was a damn hero. Now, he has been denied uh, mention in the National Monument. And a lot of Jews who were saved by that man's life, a lot of Jewish families, they say, it's a shame. This guy died in almost obscurity. He married his housemaid in the last few months of his life to guarantee that she got his his inheritance, you know, his, his house, so she could continue to live somewhere. The man, the man paid for, paid for helping people. And to his dying breath, he still helped people and he didn't regret it once. Well, maybe he regretted a little bit, but then he would have done it again. Maybe he regretted, he didn't regret doing the actions. He regretted the fact that the people didn't accept his actions for the truth that they were, Right. But he wouldn't care. He would still do it again. So, you know, family, colonization, war, human nature. Somehow it's all connected. Somehow I spent 45 minutes rambling. I hope I gave everybody something to think about. You know, World War II was a race war. It was a race war, and a lot of nations participated in it. The funny thing is, the one nation, the United States of America, which had race riots going on at the time, which had lynchings and everything, the United States of America turned around and said, Oh, you guys are doing it all wrong. We're going to stop you. <laughs> like they, everybody counted on the United States of America entering a civil war. And this is why I say to people who talk about the oncoming, uh, unco oncoming race war, we had the race war. It was decided. We had the first kind of race war, the fight for equality and freedom. In the Civil War, we had the second kind of race war, the fight to eliminate through genocide. And America, the one country that's so dysfunctional in regards to race, actually won. Japan considered itself one race, right? No, no like black and white, Hispanic, living together. Japanese. They lost. They tried to purify and elevate the Japanese race above others under Hirohito and Tojo, right? Not all Japanese. I want to make that clear. So you also have men like Sugihara. He believed everybody were brothers and sisters. That's what he believed. And then you had the Germans. Huh, almost no black people in Germany, right? Uh, uh, mostly just white people being racist against other white people, right? That's the majority of it. What do you have? Uh, America. You have riots, you have lynchings, you have, uh, you know, uh, his, his Hispanic communities refusing to uh, go to war. You have uh, black American communities entering war and being segregated. And you have etc., etc., etc. They're like, oh, fuck, America's the biggest cluster fuck of a country in the entire 
World War II. It's a, nobody's fucking united in America. Japanese bomb Pearl Harbor. Hey, wait. What the fuck? Hey, man, you black? Yeah. Hey, man, you white? Yeah. Let's say we stop trying to murder each other and go ahead and murder the people that attacked our fucking country. Yeah. It's one of it's one, the weirdest, bizarrest thing. Like the American race revealed itself. And the American race are all of the people who were dejected uh, from countries all over or, or people who were uh, colonized. And, and you had wind talkers. You had you know, everybody all of a sudden saying, the fuck they're doing to our fucking country. It's like, but, but Hawaii is... Is a colony. It's not even a state yet. Yeah, but it's gonna be. Especially after this, we're going to get the Hawaiian citizenship. Yeah! Go Team America! That's, that's, like, that's the American race. Right there. That's the American race. We're the, we're the most bizarrest, fucked up people on the planet. I will gladly admit that. Anyway, I hope I took you through some weird-ass podcast. I don't know if there's any lesson to take away from this. I trailed off on 15 different subjects. I think somehow in there, there's a point to be made. And I guess that point to be made is there's no easy answer. There's no binary of good and evil. Sometimes you just got to take things for what they are. Love y'all. Bye.